First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Welcome to another episode of Truth Be Told, the podcast. Yes, it's my podcast. And guess what? It's episode 20. Yeah, holy shit. Let that sink in. Can you believe it? There are 20 of these things. Wow, I, I, I can't believe it personally that I've stuck this out so long. I'm so glad I did. Um, if there are any listeners who have been listening to the podcast since the beginning, thank you. Thank you for sticking around and listening to me yammer. You deserve a medal. I can't believe it. Oh, my God. The people that listen to me talk this much are either my therapist, who gets paid, or my family, who feel a deep sense of obligation uh, to stay on the phone. So thank you if you're just listening to this on... Uh, on your podcast streaming devices. Uh, my name is Lindsay Mullen, if you don't know. If you're new to the show, you might not know that I'm Lindsay Mullen. Um, and that this is a storytelling comedy podcast where there's a new theme every episode. And I have fabulous guests on the show who tell true stories from their life that revolve around the theme. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and... Uh, and we're on episode 20, which is great. I feel really ready to jump into episode 20 because I just came back from a little break. I took a little hiatus from the podcast. I took a real uh, break from most creative things in my life, actually. I left uh, downtown Toronto where I live and I went away to British Columbia, Canada to stay with my family. And my parents and I, we, we had to reconnect and, and bond and do family therapy. And I took that time to rejuvenate and to re-energize and look inward. I did a lot of soul searching. And um, let me tell you, you know, family therapy... Holy fuck, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. And some days I wonder, was it a success or a failure? And I'll tell you, the answer changes day to day. Um, overall, I'm happy I did it. I felt like I connected with my parents. I think we're on the path to healing some things. Um, and yeah, it was good to see them overall. But... Uh, you know, those wounds, they're in there deep. So uh, it's going to take a while, but I'm glad I did it. And it is, um, it's also clear why it was so important that I do that healing at this point in my life. I don't think it's a coincidence 
that I wanted to start healing some stuff and reflecting on my life um, right before turning 30 years old. Yes. Yes, I turned 30 on October 4th. Happy birthday to me. Oh my God, guys. I did not take it well. I cried. I'll be real. I cried. I'm still not fully embracing it. Um, I didn't realize how much I identified with being a woman in her 20s. Look, I've, I've sort of come up with some sort of idea of what that means, and I've really attached my sense of self to it. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to reconfigure the way I look at myself in the world right now. Um, I may have had a little bit of a meltdown, a quiet meltdown. Uh, what I mean by that is like, I think a a quiet meltdown is not like screaming and crying and freaking out and, and tantrums. Um, a quiet meltdown is like two weeks before you turn 30, you go onto that website Fashion Nova on the internet and you buy like the hoochiest, tightest, shortest, uh, sequined, mini dress that you can find like something way out of your fashion wheelhouse because you're like I'm 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 still hot I'm going to go to the club guys will still buy me drinks I'm going to buy this super tight dress that I can't wear anywhere so yeah I got my hoochie dress it came in the mail and it fit like a glove well more like I feel like a sausage when I wear it. I'm like a glittery sausage and my chub comes out the the corners because it's trying to escape. But you know what? I still think I can pull it off. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyways, I turned 30. I'm adjusting. I'm reflecting. And that's why this episode's theme is regrets and reflections. Yes. Because I've had a lot of regrets, guys. I'll be honest, I I have I have regrets. And um some of them are career related, some of them are love life related, some of them are family life related. Um maybe even health related. Um and so now is a time of reflecting and growing and changing. So uh, I was lucky enough to have guests on the show who told me all about their regrets and they reflected on the past with me. And uh, one thing I don't regret, guys, is doing this podcast. I don't regret doing this podcast uh, because hearing the feedback that I hear from some of you guys always makes me feel like, like I'm on the right track. And like my truth matters because it connects to your truth sometimes. And that's a good feeling. So no regrets when it comes to podcasting. That's for damn sure. All right, let's do the quote of the episode before we jump into some stories. All right, the quote today is by Henry David Thoreau. Um, If you don't know who that is, I didn't either until a few minutes ago. Um, He is an essayist, a poet, a philosopher. He died in the 1800s. He's from America. Um, And his quote 
touched me. Here it is. Make the most of your regrets. Never smother your sorrow, but tend and cherish it till it comes to have a separate and integral interest. To regret deeply is to live afresh. Yeah, okay. See, for a girl with regrets, a quote like that, you know, gives me permission to wallow in my regrets and let them become something else. It's hopeful. I like it. Okay, guys, time to jump in with our first guest. Hello. Hello. Hi, I'm with Sean Cullen. Hello there. Hi, you are a comedian, a, a very well-known Canadian comedian. Yes, that means that almost no one knows who I am. <laughs> no, no, there's a lo- there's enough people here. Yeah, the thing is, that if you're a Canadian comedian, people are always like, they come up to you and say, hey, I've seen you. What's your name? They never know who you are. They just kind of know they've seen you somewhere. They well, don't really know. You know, that's Canadian fame. <laughs> you see, uh, but but you sound like you love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. You sound like you're basking in it. I love it. I really revel in it. It's, I revel <laughs> in relative obscurity. That's my dream. Oh my goodness! Well, then you're 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 batting a thousand. Yeah, I guess. Are I you? Yes, I, I am. No, know, you have a lot of Twitter followers. I do I have a lot of Twitter followers. And what does that mean? I'm not even sure. Uh, you know. Uh, existentially spiritually maybe nothing no and if you say to people well i have a lot of twitter followers they go like who cares or they say <laughs> what does that make you a good person no not necessarily it just makes uh, people misguided i don't well, know i haven't been tweeting a lot lately either i don't know why no uh just i just find it's really toxic place yeah and yeah i don't really like to get engaged with people and i don't need to go on and find out that people are hating me or something like that people hate you no i mean it, when you say something there's oh. always someone who uh is, yeah. is upset about it for but, some reason but if nobody hates you then you're not saying then you're not alive all. then you're not, not alive. alive you're not living without hatred um, so that's a perfect segue. Uh, we have a story of regret. Well, I guess I do. Uh, you know, uh, it's, I guess it's like kind of regret one decision, but it's a kind of, there's a lead up to it, but it's all like, um, I was, when I was first starting as a solo, I'd been in Juice Pigs, Corky the Juice Pigs for about 10 years yeah. and I started to work by myself and things were going very well and I got I went to Just for Laughs and did my show Wood Cheese and Children there and people really liked it I got an agent in Los Angeles and uh, I got a deal with a company called uh, Universal Television which uh, was Universal I don't know if it even exists anymore they've changed so much Mm -hmm. but uh, you know the whole goal like originally when you're when you're starting out in comedy is to get to Just for Laughs and then to be discovered there and get a deal. Yeah. You know, that is that that was the big thing. I don't know how much that happens anymore. Uh because, you know, 
there are no deals really anymore. It doesn't seem that way. It used yeah. to be people would get, here's $500,000 to sign with Fox Television. And then right. maybe. In the same way that pilot season doesn't always seem no. like a theme, like an actual thing anymore. Well, the deal with that is I think that pilot season now is year round because there's so many Streaming different platforms stuff, yeah. that uh, it used to be. They try to maintain a pilot season in May, March and uh, through to April, but you know, Netflix is doing things all year round and, yeah. and everybody is Amazon, all these different companies. So I'm good. I get this deal. I go down to Los Angeles and, uh, I really want it. I love living in Los Angeles. It was really fun. Uh, and I was living with the girl at the time and we, you know, we just, did, I, I did not get along with her, but <laughs> it ended up, we ended up uh, breaking up. Eventually, uh, I have a little boy with her, and he is now just turned eighteen. So wow. he's he's going to be a forensic scientist. Really? That's what he dreams of. You know, he wants to be in the FBI. He wants to be an FBI agent. Is is he technically American? Yes, he's American. He's got a Canadian passport and a British passport. So, oh my he's, goodness, he's all set. Wow, he's, he's very smart and very. He's got lots of scholarships, and he seems to be doing very well. Um, unlike me, like he's not like me in any way. No, uh, but he's well, he's good at mathematics and, and sciences and that sort of thing. Does it relieve you that he's not going into showbiz? Well, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it would be disturbing because I know how disappointing it can be. It's heartbreaking. It is. Are you about to tell me something heartbreaking? Well, I don't know if it's heartbreaking or not. It's just, uh, you always try to make the right choices. So, but you're presented with many choices. So with me, I had uh, oh, Hollywood was very difficult just because I would have great meetings. I, I like I've had these great meetings, and I just it never seemed to pan out. So yeah. for once, I met with um, uh, Stan Lee okay. from Marvel. Wow! And this was like a long time ago. Before Marvel became what it is now, Marvel was kind of in the weeds, not really doing very well. But okay. he had an idea that he wanted to do a television series that was kind of like this guy had this power where he would become whoever you needed to be. You needed him to be. So if you were in a situation... He would he would change his personality and he's kind of like the Incredible Hulk. Only he would become uh, how do they I can't even describe a waiter. It. Yeah, or like <laughs> or, or he would uh, he, he could yeah speak he Spanish would change fluidly. yes he would change yeah. into whatever was needed in the situation. <laughs> so it was nice I got to meet Stan Lee and that was fun, but that didn't pan out. Um, and now you look at Stan Lee and, you, and what he's accomplished and everything like that, although he is now dead. Yeah. He, ultimately. Everyone, I'm glad I didn't have to dies. break that to you. Yes, I thought I that know. was about to happen. It's very sad. Yes. But, uh, you know, you just go, why, why didn't I get in on that early? You know, that's too bad. But uh, then I went and I got a deal with uh, CBS, which is I signed with CBS I was being asked, I was being courted by CBS and Jason Alexander's company was also interested in me mm -hmm. to do something. And, uh, and I met with Jason Alexander a couple of times and I went with CBS. They do shows like everybody love, everyone loves Raymond. Yeah. And, uh, King of Queens, which are basically the same show. 
It's the same show over and over again. It's like, I'm a kind of dumpy man. Here's my hot wife who, why are we together? We're not sure, but we argue a lot, but we do love each other. And here we have a couple of stupid friends who hang around with us. That was the recipe for success. Right. Uh, so I went in there and I signed up for CBS and they, I wrote a script with uh, a couple of different scripts over two years. I got paid a lot of money to do these things. They give you a lump sum of money and you go, uh, in this, you have, they buy you for a year and you get to do your, you get to try to make a show and then they try and cast you in other shows. And they just kept, well, Les Moonves, the head of CBS, just kept saying, this guy is the next Kevin James. He's the next Kevin James. I'm like, I don't have anything in common with Kevin James. I don't think there's anything about us except we were both large men. So, but he had it in his mind that I was going to be the next Kevin James. And I kept getting cat trying, they were trying to cast me in, um, kind of according to Jim kind of shows. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, do I really want to be in that? And I finally, what, what it all came to a head was when I was, I came up to do a, uh, a fundraiser for the Phil Hartman Foundation, mm-hmm. which is a, a foundation that gives a, a grant to an aspiring young comic and stuff like that. And they do a fundraiser every year. And it was in Brampton, uh, Brantford, where he's from. And uh, Lauren Michaels came up. Dan Acker was there, a bunch of people. And we did the show. And it went really, really well. And Lauren Michaels came up to me and he said, uh, what did you... Where have, what have you been doing? And he said, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm a comedian, that sort of thing. He says, well, would you like to come down to New York and kind oh of do an gosh. audition for our, um, our writers, like just to, to do a showcase for our writers? And so I went down. And, and, and please tell me, in that moment, is your, are you I'm just like, like, this is it. Hooray for oh me. Oh, my God, SNL. Oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah, so yeah. I'm uh, – so he – you know, Dan, Dan Aykroyd hears this and he says, he kind of is hanging around and he kind of says to me, you know, you're very old to be uh, going down to that, do that. And I said, well, I'll give it a try anyway. Why did he say that? Because That's people are <laughs> fucked. People are anyway, so fucked. Anyway. Anyway. thing to say. I know. So I said, okay, uh, I'm going to go down. And so I flew down to Los Angeles, to, to New York and did, I think it was Catch a Rising Star or Stand Up, no, Catch a Rising Star? It, I don't think it's there anymore. And I did uh, the audition sort of showcase. I did a, a set at this, at this place. And they said, um, so the writers afterwards just said, would you like to be in the show next year? Oh, my God. And I'm like, and this is in the summertime. And I say... Yes, I'd love to do that. And they said, well, uh, okay. And I said, but the problem is I'm under contract to CBS for until the turn of the year. And then I have to go away. Like, then I have to wait. I'm under contract. So they said, uh, oh, well, see what you can do about that. And so I was like... I, they paid me a large pile of money and I bought a home, a house. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, I can't pay the money back. I can't oh get the God. money back. 
to pay like I, I can't I, I we kind of asked them if since no one's interested in me it was after pilot season and there was nothing being cast and it was just counting time till the end of the year if they would let me go to do this Saturday Night Live and they said no you'd have to pay back all of the cash we'd given you and I said oh it's a lot of cash I don't think I can do that so if you'd had it would oh, you have given it in a heartbeat? Yes. Yeah. This is the regret. Here's what I think. Like, I didn't have it, but I should have somehow found it. That's I, the regret. That's Interesting. my giant regret is that I didn't follow up and just do whatever it took to get onto the Saturday Night Live show. What, do you think there is some sort of subconscious element of sabotage in there? or Well, do I don't know if I sabotaged myself. I, I was... The way I... I'd heard a lot about the process at Saturday Night Live, mm -hmm. and that I don't... It sounded really horrible to me. Yeah. And... A lot I, of autobiographies kind of Yeah, that it's that. really, really vicious kind of infighting to get on sketches and to get in with writers and to do all of that mm -hmm. and it's not like a happy party you know and so I kind of convinced myself that maybe I'm better off going back to Hollywood and not doing the and maybe something else is coming if this isn't the thing mm -hmm. something else will come and so at the end of CB CBS it just been trying to get me into things that I didn't really feel that I was right for mm -hmm. and then so I said next year I'm not going to sign with CBS I'm going to open myself up for it to whatever is going to be out there and then nothing came out <laughs> nothing came and then as a kind of the kind of the end of the arc mm -hmm. I finally after a couple of years of sitting around trying to get a deal NBC were like yes we'd love to have you uh, we really like you we we had a great meeting this was September where they said come in uh, next week we'll set up we'll set up uh, we'll, we'll talk about a deal to develop and do something and I said great so that was September 10th 2001. Oh my God. And then, oh my God. And then the next day I get woken up by my manager calling me and saying, you should look at the television. And so horrors are going on. And then no one, we never talked again. NBC, like no one really was after. There was no like two was, weeks later, maybe I'll make a phone call. Hey, I know it's been busy. No, there was just, I know we've heard some but things. But it was television in itself. Everyone used that as a way of saying, we don't give deals to anybody anymore. There's no money to give because the terrorists attacked. You know, it was very weird in Hollywood at that time. But I guess that my big regret is that I just didn't... Uh, I picked the wrong uh, route. Now, um, if you really go back to it, because, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure it is. But you, uh, in that position, mm -hmm. was it a choice out of fear or love? Like, because on on one hand, I think it's, it's not necessarily out of fear or sabotage to say, I believe the right thing will find me if yeah. I can't get out of this. But it really hasn't I've, yet. So I'm still going. Oh, no. Okay, but like it's it's well, it's me, all a gamble. So it's not necessarily like 
to put all the blame on yourself, like to go, I regret I know, this, is, this is such a heavy concept. Because if you had been right in that following year, yeah, then, then we would be, be sitting. We wouldn't be sitting here because you say, "I don't have time for you." Who are you? I wouldn't ever do that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's funny because now, as I've been sitting around Canada for a little while, it's just to make you make one decision leads to another decision leads to another decision. I had to do. I came up here to do. Like I think a lot of doing not throwing away everything and just going, I'm going to go to Saturday Night Live. One, I'd heard they only pay like $5,000 a week. I have no idea. Yeah. And that not that just, you're not guaranteed to be on TV. Uh, 5000 a week is not a lot of money for a national television show. Um, it's really cheap. And mm. everything I've heard about it was like the deal was... You know, they own you, they give you $100,000 for a first movie you make, and all of your films, your first 10 films have to be through the Broadway video company and that sort of thing. There was a really strict deal. It was because people like Mike Myers had gone and become enormous off of characters they developed on Saturday Night Live. And right. then, then Lauren Michaels didn't get a piece of any of that. And so. He kind of buckled down, and that was an era when it was that just started. And I was like, I don't know, I could have sold my house and moved my tiny family at that time to New York, but then how could I live on that small amount of money? Which sounds huge now, but I mean, living in New York is enormously it's crazy. expensive. Yeah, and you know, I owed money. I guess I wouldn't have if I'd gotten rid of the house. But then, you know, you end, I ended up going back to Los Angeles, staying there, not really finding anything, kind of being forced to come up here and do the producers to make some money. Mm -hmm. And then I got out of that relationship I was in and ended up meeting someone else who this child is from. There's a child... Uh, sitting nearby. Yes, very and, but, but she's very polite and she's on her iPhone and she can't hear this conversation. That's right. So then you meet her, my, her, her mom and we decide to get married. And I said, well, I'll stay here because now I've got a family here and I'm going to, to commit to that. And then she decided she didn't want to be with me anymore. So now I'm stuck kind of in Toronto. I, I Not that I don't like these people, but it's kind of like I'm, you know, I kind of have to stay here. And this industry in Canada is just so hard. It's a tough one. Well, it, there's, it's not about artists at all. Like, it's not no. an artist. Like, you'd never, like, there's maybe one show that's, like, Mr. D is the only show that I can think of that's actually someone said, there's a comedian who has a, a, a persona. Let's make a show around him. In every other comedy on television, it's like, let's hire actors to be funny. Hmm. Let's hire, you know, let's not have comedians or improvisers right. or people who do sketch comedy involved in comedy. Let's just engineer a show that's not really based in what it's supposed to be based in. Right. And 
And the industry is so small, and people really don't take a lot of risks up here. Now, can I ask you, when you're in a good headspace, mm-hmm. does the regret change for you? Or do you find the regret is something that kind of looms over you when you feel down or when you feel Certainly self-doubt? Certainly when I feel down, I, f- I regret things. And I go, geez, even coming back to Canada, I just go, I, I could have been in Los Angeles and broke. Or, you know. Right. It's, it's much nicer there. It's warmer. You don't have to buy winter clothes. Here's the thing, though, about yes. Los Angeles. I find when you're there, you get this bizarre burst of hope and excitement. And then, as time goes on, if you're there out of work, I feel like Absolutely. a clear, like a glass force field is around me. And I can see my dreams very close to me, and yet I can't touch them. Well, it's happening all around you. Yes, and you're just like, why? Maybe am I it's not more in evident it? there. Yeah. yeah. Here it's like you feel, rightly or wrongly, that you're making things and it matters. You know? Yes. You're creating little things. Like I'm writing a novel now and I'm trying to develop a television, a couple of television projects. But there it just seems like such a vast industry that's impossible to encompass. I kind of like that too. I get Toronto and I can understand it and encapsulate it all in my mind, but mm-hmm. New York is too big to hold in your mind. Mm. It's such a giant place with so many things going on and people. Or Los Angeles, it's a vast place. Mm. Um, I don't know. But you know what? I think a lot of it is about the sun. I know that I seems know. simplistic, but when that sun goes away and there's rain or something, a cloudy day there, it's, you just realize it's a hideous looking place. It is just um, like it's miserable. Like it's, it feels miserable and I go, oh, this could have been anywhere. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Well, you remember it is that. a desert. Yeah. And it's watered incessantly. Yes. And... You know, but God, people, I would love to live in that desert. I would too. I would really. But like I would to love go. to have the wherewithal to live well in that desert. I don't want to go and have to, you know, scrabble at the edges of it. I'm probably going to have to do the scrabbling crumb oh, thing, pretty you know, soon, which I'm excited. You're to young, do. and you have the, you have a lot ahead of you. you Maybe can, we don't know. We don't know. We do know you're young. Do we? I think How old I, do you think I am? Um, I'm going to say. Are you not? You're thirty. I'm 29. Wow. That's good. I'll own it. Yeah. Good. I would have thought that was close. But, and I was right. (laughs) I was right in my thoughts. You know what I love about um, your take on this? What's that? Most people, when they come and do an episode on this show and they want to tell me maybe it's a more raw topic, they really want to wrap it in a bow. And I kind of like that you didn't. Well, I'm sorry. No, I, I, I like mess, it. Because life is an ongoing ribbon of whatever it is. And you can, I can't really say at this point, if I'd done this, this at all had been changed and it would have been great. Like, it's just such a... I, I, See, used I, the wrong, I used the wrong analogy, like a ribbon. I'd say it's more like a just a, bla, a blast. It's kind of like things are happening all the time and you try and control as many as you can and then you think that one thing in this massive explosion that your life is kind of expanding and expanding outwards if you fix that then everything would have been fine but 
there were other things there going on. There would have been on. new problems. There was and other, things. you know, you never really had that chance. I see. I have my regrets all stem from my love life. They never seem to be in my career, even when my career goes bad or oh, doesn't. They kind of they pick their place of where there's hurt or ego stuff. Well, they, certainly they love life. Stuff. I have many regrets. In that world. <laughs> I have incredible regrets. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, but I think that's just too obvious, you know. It's just not not that your pain is obvious, but I just kind of go, yeah, I was dumb. Uh, my well, Mine usually comes from my first failed, like my first sort of divorce was mm. more like, oh, I'm just afraid to say that I don't want to be with you anymore because I don't want to hurt your feelings because you're a nice enough person, but you're also, but she was also incredibly mean to me. Right. But I, and I wasn't strong enough to go, why do I let someone be so mean to me all the time? I'm not a terrible person. Why am I doing this? And so with the finally, when I finally got out of that relationship, I was like, oh, I'm going to find someone and love is going to be the thing. Love, love, love. And found somebody to be love, 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 love. And then there was some tiny financial difficulty and then suddenly it was like, oh, no, you're not, I don't love you anymore because you don't that's have enough That's not love, money. love, love. I know, but that's what I, oh. that was the surprise that came in the middle. That's awful. Yeah, but. Well, I hope it hasn't soured you on the idea of our, of our entire gender. No, no, no. I mean, no, not at all. I'm sure it'll all, uh, something wonderful will happen. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for being on my show. It's a real pleasure. Um, Is there anything you'd like to promote? Well, um, you're going to be doing Just for Last 42 uh, and actually being paid to do it. So that's That's incredibly exciting. Usually I'm just on the periphery and doing uh, opening for other people. It's a great opportunity for Americans to come up to Canada and and do some shows (laughs) uh, because they really can't do that on their own. Uh, yeah. So it's a good thing, and uh, I, but I'm going to be doing some shows, some full-length hour shows, and and uh, other things. Hopefully, I'd really like to open for Carol Burnett, but I oh. doubt if I get that chance. But like, I would poke around. I'm going to poke around. Poke around. I'm a huge fan of Carol Burnett. Of course. Well, you're quite young, so you don't no, remember her being I, on TV. No, but I understand the influence. Oh, she was amazing. Yeah, tremendous. So, I got to work with Tim Conway, who was. Oh, one other one on her show, and he was just fantastic, incredibly nice. But here's the kind of thing that happens to me. I I did his pilot with Ellen DeGeneres, and it was a sketch show, and it was kind of like the Carol Burnett show. And this would have been after the first sitcom was canceled? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, she, we did a pilot, and she had me on. She loved me, and I did a sketch with her. And Tim Conway was amazing, and it was great. And then a little while ago, she was on the Ellen show, her new show, mm-hmm. and saying like, oh, you know, I just wanted to share this sketch because he's just, I worked with this guy who was absolutely fantastic when we did this pilot, and it was so amazing. Uh, his name is Sean Cullum. And she got my name wrong. And I'm like, and then she showed the sketch. So it was nice that she showed the sketch. Wow. But she didn't get my name right. So that's the kind of thing where you go like, oh, maybe I'll be. Oh, no. No, that's my, not my name. Thank you. Anyway. You know, I, all I, that is is on the headshots. You just add a little extra a little, end a little, to the other end. And then we're, we're there. I'm ready. Anyway, but yes, come to see me at Just for Laughs 42. It'll be fun. And you have a Twitter? I have a Twitter account at, at MrSeanCollin.com. 
but you don't like using it right now. But who knows? He may come back. I'll come back, certainly. And you can want, listen to the Sean Pod. We have, I think... He so, has uh, a podcast. Yeah, the Sean Pod's got about a hundred and... Thousand episodes. My God. Yeah, but it's over years and years. I don't know why. That it's just a vast library of crap. So it's fun. <laughs> Thank you for being on my show. Thank you for being on your show too. <laughs> no one ever says that, and I really deserve it. You do. Thank you. Hello, I am sitting with. A dear, dear friend, right? Yes. Yeah, you're one of my closest friends. Am I one of your closest friends? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm sitting with uh, Richard Kemick. Do you professionally go by Richard Kelly Kemick? I do. I'm worried that people won't think I'm enough of a douche, so I make <laughs> them say my middle name. Also, but my middle name is also my mother's name, so I, I feel bad not putting it in there. Oh, okay. There you go. So Richard Kelly Kemick, who is an author and a poet, uh, and, you know, a lot of people may say that they're a writer, but you are actually a professional writer. You make money from it. You're published. Yes. <laughs> He's not going to brag about himself, so I'll brag for him. Uh, Richard has also been one of my closest friends since um, the first days of high school. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. and we've been friends many years, and I'm actually here with him today because uh, he was recording the audiobook for his new book that's coming out in October, and uh, I was asked, <laughs> what an honor, I was asked to read the footnotes on the audiobook. The footnotes, I should say, they're supposed to be like, funny footnotes they're not it's not like a science textbook but if i wrote a science textbook we would both be rich by now <laughs> me and you yeah we would be just swimming in cash oh my and god pussy. just <laughs> so <to>. much puss <laughs> so to. much cash and puss oh so good to have you here <laughs> um so richard today we're just kind of we're talking about regrets because you and i are not only have we watched each other grow up but we're both embarking on a major life milestone, turning mm -hmm. 30. Mm -hmm. When do you turn 30? December 28th. Yes. And I'm turning 30 October 4th. That is soon. <laughs> yes. Wow. We're, wow. That was genuine that reaction. Um, yes. Uh, we're recording this on September 14th. I don't know when you're hearing this. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like two weeks, a little wow. more than two weeks away. And I'm not happy about it. Because you'll be living with your parents at that time, is that right? Yes, I'm staying with my parents at the moment, so I'm going to have the birthday with them. It's been a while since I've had a birthday with both my parents and no friends. <laughs> Probably your first birthday was like that. Yes, yes. Yes, Richard. Um, now, I'm going to... I'm going to ask you, because we're going to talk a bit about... For the record, that was a great joke about the day Lindsay was born, not the day Lindsay turned one. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Richard, there's some uh, parallels in our life at the moment. Uh, we we uh, both went to a performing visual arts high school. That's mm -hmm. how we met each other, is mm -hmm. we were a part of a program designed to make artists. <laughs> designed to make artists that would become successful and bring pride to our mm -hmm. high school. Go Rams. Go Rams. Um, we've heard that's a football team. Uh, from our high school. But we were in the arts program, so we don't know what that is. Um, we were in the drama, the theater uh, 
program together, and uh, you went a different way. You mm -hmm. went into writing. Yes. Yes. And now we're both approaching 30. I want to ask you, how are you feeling about turning 30? <clears throat> um, I suppose I'm feeling all right. I don't think... Sometimes I feel like I'm missing out on birthdays, that they matter a lot more to other people. But I don't think that really, like, there are far more things aside from turning 30 that, like, keep me up at night or that I'm upset about, I would say. How do you feel about turning 30? Oh, I, I feel like I needed to get a lot more done by this point. Sure. I right. really had a feeling like a bunch of things would be checked off. If we're talking about regrets at all in this episode, I feel like just wasting time. Mm -hmm. Or like, who needs to watch that, you know, rerun of Friends you've seen three times? Why do you need to see it a fourth mm -hmm. time? Mm -hmm. Like... Do you wish you started acting earlier? And not just acting, but like taking acting seriously earlier? It's funny. I did start pretty early, but mm -hmm. I wish I'd had even more hustle. Yeah, right. I, I realized at 11, oh, I'm going to do this professionally. Right. But I could have really kicked it up mm -hmm. a notch, I think, mm -hmm. even though I've been doing it pretty consistently. Um, yeah, and sure, I had dreams that I would be at a very different spot and they're embarrassing kind of dreams you know mm -hmm. when you talk about like movie stars or things are like right. big big projects um but on a realistic level I've achieved a good amount mm -hmm. I don't know mm -hmm. how do you feel in regards to writing you know um well I still <clears throat> do the thing that I'm like ashamed of where I when I see a writer, the first thing I think of is how old they are. And if they're older than me, then I'm much more willing to celebrate and encourage them than if they're younger than me. If they're a new writer? Yeah, like if they're if they're a new writer doing better than I am and they're younger than me, that does that does like that does hurt. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, I can't stand it. Yeah. I've even had situations where I've been someone's like teacher, like an improv right. teacher. Yeah. And then they've surpassed wow. me in something that I've been trying to get for a while. Yeah, right. That, I've cried from jealousy in the privacy of my bedroom. Yeah. Have you ever had professional jealousy just, like, rip you apart? I, I think that's, I perhaps the thing I wrestle with the most is jealousy. Like, that I'm an incredibly, like, envious person. And that I feel, at times the judge of whether or not someone's worked hard enough to achieve their goal. Yes. That if they have, then I'll like allow them. But if I deem like uh, that their writing's not to par, or that they're lucky or so forth, then I just write them off, which is like an incredibly unproductive quality, but then also just like total bullshit quality as well. Does that make sense? What do you mean? Well, that, like, I'm not basing these, like, evaluations on how hard someone's worked on anything other than my own, like, imagination. On anything other than my own yeah, musings. exactly. Uh, that I know that, like, I could definitely appear to other people to not work that hard. Uh, but by no means do I feel like my accomplishments are unjustified. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Oh, um, may I ask, may I ask you a question? Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, okay. So you talked about that 
where your career is now is not how you envisioned it. Right. Okay. So I'm interested in what you envisioned your career to be when you were 30, but I'm also interested like when you were, uh, how old were you when we met? 14, 13? We were like 14 or 15. Okay. So when you were that age, what did you envision your career to be? And then also when you were 20, what did you envision your career by now to be? Okay. In my good days, my most wild fantasy days, Mm -hmm. I thought I would be like on a sitcom or Mm -hmm. famous or something in my mid twenties. Well known. Um, you know, like doing big movies and then I would probably leave the house and I'd be like, give me my big sunglasses. (laughs) I can't be seen. I just want to live a normal life. (laughs) I want to live a normal life. Ooh, the paps. (laughs) Uh, Oh, they must've tipped them off that I was going to the grocery store. Um, that's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, little girl from Calgary, big dreams. Uh, when I was 20, it was still that, but I still kept, pushing it. And I should say it wasn't fame. It's just getting to be in projects that were like, you know, high profile, a big deal, or you got a meaty role. Like you actually got a part. Mm -hmm. You're not just given one line Mm -hmm. and something. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, Mm -hmm. when I started doing commercials in my early twenties, I still, for the first few commercials felt a kind of magic inside myself where I went, if you could tell eight-year-old me that I was on the TV, you know, biting a hamburger, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have believed you. Mm -hmm. Even if I knew that was the dream, I would have been like, wow, you really got to do that? Mm -hmm. Mm Because I idolized TV as a child. Yeah. Yeah. So I think actually what happened is my dreams, it's not that they become more based in reality. They just keep getting pushed to an older age. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's for me Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd like to tell you that I'm now like egoless and mm-hmm. now I'm, I mean, it's about the work mm-hmm. and whatever and if I just do this forever and not make a penny I'll be happy mm-hmm. I would still do it not making a penny but I would be a lot happier if you know yeah was flush with cash from doing it do you ever think that because we have a lot of friends now yes. who have walked away from being right. an artist do you ever think that they're just like so much happier than us? <laughs> oh shit! No, um, just just because like they're doing well in their career, not not just because of the money, but because like they're doing well in their careers. They have a stability. They have an easy answer when people at parties say, "What do you do?" They just like have have gotten on in their lives in a way that we haven't. Well, a lot of people I went to theater school with who are no longer actors. Sometimes I'll see them and and they'll maybe have gone into teaching. Or something mm-hmm. and teaching acting, like yeah, drama yeah. teacher in like junior high right, or okay. something, right. or English they'll go into or something. Yeah. And sometimes they seem really at peace with it. Or a lot of them had babies younger, yeah. and I'll run into them, and and some of them are like super at peace with it. Like yeah, I really enjoyed those times, those memories, but I'm really happy, no regrets, and I can believe them. Mm-hmm. And other times I see people. And there's this look in their eyes where it's almost like <laughs> they made this choice, but they don't want to run into me again. Mm-hmm. Like I like, somehow represent, because we're not super close, right. I represent something that used to be a dream that they gave up on, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also could be reading into that. Mm-hmm. They might just be fine. and Or they're like, oh, Lindsay, I don't want to get in a conversation with Lindsay. <laughs> it might have nothing She's to do with careers. She's going to fucking put me on her podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. What do you when what do you when people at parties say what do you do? How do you respond? I say um 
It depends on sometimes how old somebody is. Mm-hmm. Like it, some people, I just say actor. Okay. Some people, I say actor and comedian. But you, you actually tell people. Oh, all the time. Actually, I make a serious point of always telling people that, even if I haven't worked for a while. Really? Always. It's what I do for a living. You're the weirder one. <laughs> no, you no, told no, no, me no. years ago that you were a poet. And yeah. I went, are you writing this on your, like, <laughs> when you fill out a form somewhere and they say occupation, no. do you L- write poet? Lindsay is lying right now. I would never in my life have said that I am a poet. You did. Lindsay might have I asked remember. me, what are you writing? And I would have made the mistake of telling her an honest answer and said poetry. Okay, let's, Not let's... thinking that she would cling to that fact for a decade. Hey, White knuckle. Hold on. Richard... <laughs> Before this book that's coming out that we will tell you about soon, he was published, um, his poetry was published, and uh, he did tell us that he was a poet. No, no, no. That's like telling someone you're a philosopher. (laughs) It's like, is that a... Is that a career? Yes. And I just love the idea of you writing poet on... But yes, I say actor and comedian or actor improviser. Right. You know, but why does that shock you? I feel when people ask me what I do, I say I'm unemployed. You do not. Just to stop. Do you say self-employed? No, 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 never, I never. I sometimes say that. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like it's I'm like unemployed, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. It's like the vaguest answer. What are you? I'm employed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say unemployed if I want to stop the conversation. Uh, I work... Four hours a week for Roslyn Recreation, the like the city, the the town that I. We're live in, in a place called Roslyn, BC. It's, it's a, a small town. It's the best. I want out as soon as it's possible. It's so much nice. If you're listening to this in Toronto, you should know that you live in a garbage pile. <laughs> what? Okay, all right. If you're listening to this in Toronto right now, and if you can't point to gum on the sidewalk, that means you're in Pickering. You're not really into it. Okay. All right. Um, so, yes. Oh, but, but, so, uh, the nicest part about that job, obviously, like the city hall paycheck's nice, but is that it affords me something I can tell people when they ask, say, what do you do? Why wouldn't you tell people you're a writer? You're now published. You, you have, we, were, we were recording your audiobook today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so when you say you're an actor, you must get the next question of like, what have I seen you in? Right? Yes. Every so, Uber driver has asked yeah, exactly, me that. You're exactly. Right. So what do you say? Well, only in the last little bit, yeah. I can say a commercial that maybe they've seen me in. Okay. But for years, I said, nothing you've seen. Right. I guess that makes me... It's it, just humiliating. It yeah. is. It, it makes... Uh, not to say that it is a shitty answer, but it makes me feel shitty about myself. That, that I think the um, implication of the question is... I will tell you if you're an actor. I will tell you if yes. you're a writer. And I will tell you that by how much I know you. I, the cultural icon of our times. Like, no, one, <laughs> no one fucking reads shit. No one, so, You yeah, know what? Yeah. Similar to that, mm-hmm. I saw a meme recently um, shared by an actor, of course, that said, everyone in my family at like Thanksgiving and Christmas, extended family needs to stop calling me an aspiring actor. <sighs> Like, no, you would never say aspiring doctor. You like, she's like, that's how I make my money. That's what I do for a living. I've been paying my bills with it for right. years, wow. but they still call you aspiring unless you're famous. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. 
unless you've been within reaching distance of a laugh track, you're not, you're, you're nothing. I know. Yeah. Yeah. All my laughs are real. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But anyway, so, but that is why I don't, I don't tell people that I, I would say I'm a writer. They'd say, Oh, what have you written that I've read? And then I would say, well, nothing. (laughs) then that would be the end yeah yeah right so um so far in your career have you accumulated any regrets yes (laughs) any you care to share (laughs) come on it's called truth be told um well sometimes i i like i regret not starting earlier Mm -hmm. in my career not just starting earlier but taking it seriously earlier. Um, All those years I wasted thinking I'd be a hockey player. But you know what? No, they're not wasted because Mm. they are the lifeblood of what you write. I don't write about hockey for the record. That (laughs) just proves Lindsay has not read a word I've ever written. (laughs) No, you you write about your experiences. Like like every time I meet famous child actors, I think (laughs) it's happened only a couple times, but I've thought to myself... Yes, your career is doing better than mine right now. But I've also been like, oh, you're like a mini adult. You're not having a normal mm-hmm. existence. Yeah. And I'm appreciative of my existence. Right. Don't you have that? I, uh, I don't know. I guess it's hard. to. I see what you're saying. I guess it's hard to say. I, yeah, I guess one of my big worries is that I just won't have enough time. Mm. To like grow as a writer, to write what I want to write, read what I want to read. And that if I had started earlier, I could remedy that in part. But then too, okay, so you've been doing this since you were 11 years old. Yeah. Not professionally, but yeah. <laughs> okay, no one was <laughs> you know going to I mean. make that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. Uh, you've been doing this since you were 11 years old. Do you feel like um, chained or strapped into this? Prof- like you can't get out now? I feel that with writing. Like, what would I... I, don't... I have sometimes thought to myself, if I one day woke up and hated this yeah. and needed money or whatever, I don't have a lot of feasible skills. Right. And I mean that. Like, a lot of people go, sure you do. And I go, I've been fired from every single Joe job I've had. Right. Except for, like, maybe one. Which one? I worked at a sushi restaurant, but I think they were being polite and they did not want to. I think they just waited for me to go. (laughs) They're very polite at that restaurant. Um, But yeah, so I I often think that. And sometimes I would worry more that I'd figure that out way later in life. Like maybe Mm. I'd be 50 and I'd wake up one morning and I'd go, I don't want to do this. But the thing is, is I love it so much. I can't really imagine myself feeling Mm. that way. Mm. So, but yes, Mm. I, that saying of don't do this for a living unless you can't imagine yourself doing something else or anything else. Yeah. That's definitely true for me. I can't imagine myself doing something else. But that if you wanted to, you could. I don't even know if I could do that. I feel yeah. like this is the only right. thing I, I could do. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of terrifying, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so that's your only regret? Uh, well, sometimes I regret starting at all because of that same that same reason that uh, that I feel now, like there are certainly times 
in the past few years that I've wanted to quit, but I just don't know how, like what, what would I do instead where I, I have no like discernible skills to speak of so that I'm kind of strapped into this job that I don't always really like, but I can't see myself not doing if for like a lack of uh, imagination, then also like a lack of qualification. Right. I guess that's why sometimes I see that or say that like people that walked away from this type of career that we're both in when they were much younger on like the cusp of becoming an adult, mm-hmm. that they're, that they're just much more at ease with themselves like each day. But I think that's the trade off with the arts, right? Is the security of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the lack of security of it. Like you, you're trading that, that creative fulfillment and that feeling like you're answering your calling and all that. And what you're giving up is maybe security or a house or having children. Mm -hmm. And I've watched people make those hard choices. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of a gamble. Mm -hmm. Because actually, there is a small percentage in both your field and mine mine, where people shoot to stardom and then they get to have all those things and then some and still do this. Yeah. But it's so small. Mm -hmm. But do you know what my other favorite thing about what we do is? Is that it can all change one day if something like out of nowhere can all change if you had a book that Mm -hmm. became a bestseller and Mm -hmm. your name became splashed across all sorts of you know reviews and whatever Mm -hmm. like your your life could change you could Mm -hmm. set yourself up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know does that hope ever exist in you oh certainly yeah like in daydreams yeah yeah of course very much so uh yeah 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 could also change in like the exact opposite way though all right. <laughs> All right. We're cutting this bit out. Okay. Richard, thank you for being on the show. Lindsay, thank you for having me on the show. Yes. Please tell us about the book that you've just uh, been recording an audio book version of it for mm-hmm. Audible. Mm-hmm. What's your book called? What's it about? Uh, the book is called I Am Herod. Yes, Herod. Lindsay was mouthing the title as I was saying it. Like she was my agent in the wings. <laughs> okay, just tell us what it's about. Herod's from the Bible. Herod's from the Bible. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of the largest religious events in the world takes place not far from where Lindsay and I grew up. Lindsay, did you know this event took place? Yes. You did? I, I did didn't. know about it. I did. I just found it's um it's a passion play. So it's about it's a play about the life, death and resurrection of Christ. Yes, and it's done by like hundreds of people. Yes, animal actors. It, the the amphitheater sits over 2500 people. It's, and there's real, you know, regular actors and animal actors. Oh, yeah, so it's not... But you know what? If it was just animal actors, it'd probably be a lot more popular. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so I I joined the play a few years ago to write about it. The play was at a point of crisis. Uh, Yeah, and it's, like, funded by, like... Who's it funded by? Religious organizations? Yeah, and the government. And Uh, the government. And it's, like, a huge budget for a play. Exactly. And how many people come watch this thing in Alberta? Uh, well, each year there would be at a minimum twenty five thousand. That's insane. Okay, wow. Yeah. And so you joined the cast. I did. Which is hilarious. See, anyone can act. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Great. 
Um, you joined the cast and you did the show and you wrote a book about it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a very funny book. It's great. And uh, if you get the audiobook, which comes out when? The audiobook uh, should be coming out October 8th. The book itself comes out October 8th. And the audiobook is being aimed for the same date. And where can we find the book and where can we find the audiobook? Both the book and the audiobook can be found wherever you usually get those things from, whether it's your library or bookstore or Amazon. Um, I guess would have both the audiobook too. Libraries should have the audiobook. Yes, and I will be the footnotes on the book. Lindsay is the footnotes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very funny book. Yeah. Good job, Richard. Thank you, Lindsay. Uh, thank you for being on my show. You're welcome. I am Herod. Get the book, read it, have a good time. Be thankful you are not so religious that you have to act with livestock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's sheep in that show isn't there there are uh, at least uh 10 yeah there's My. a donkey a horse oh god a dog doves uh, oh jesus okay Je- jesus, <laughs> christ. jesus christ he's in it too he's, he's, in he's, it too. he's a big part all right thanks for being on the show bye <laughs> Hello, uh, welcome to the panel discussion. Uh, it's me, Lindsay, and I'm sitting with uh, two very talented women. I have very big talent crushes on them. I'm sitting with Ellie Moon, who is an actor and playwright. Hello, Ellie. Hi. Hi. And I'm sitting with Laura Romoso, who is a, a comedic performer. You do sketch. You're also getting your master's right now. Please explain that for a moment because I couldn't explain it. Sure. I'm doing my uh, MBA in Arts, Media, and Entertainment Management, and I'm focusing on optimizing the distribution model for digital sketch comedy. So it's connected. Oh, it's definitely connected. (laughs) You do a one-woman sketch show that everyone's in love with called Diane Mm. and, and Ellie. What is the... You have some plays coming up soon, too. Or you had one that you just did that you've done before. Yeah, I have one that I just did. And I guess I have one, depending on when this comes out, I guess I have one sort of soon in January at the Tarragon. And it runs from the end of January to the beginning of March. And it's called... Ooh, I never say its title. It's called This Was the World. Oh, okay. Ooh. And we're also sitting with Sasha, <laughs> who is a loud dog that Ooh. is now sniffing the mic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sasha is here. He is also here to talk in the panel discussion. If he feels like jumping in, he will. Um, today's panel discussion is about regrets and reflection. Reflection on your life and your choices and regrets. Ooh. Yeah. Now, everyone here is still fairly young relatively speaking, in the span of life. Mm-hmm. So I ha- do you guys have regrets that immediately pop into your mind when I say that word? I think to speak in, like, general terms, just, I don't know, I think I'm getting to the age, as you say, like, you know, I'm mid-20s, getting to the age of, like, looking back and being like, oh, my God, that was so stupid. I had so much pride. I had so much youthful just entitlement and pride. Like, I think I'm just getting on the other side of that where like, I think about what my expectations of other people and the world were a few years ago. And it just embarrasses me. Are you talking about like artistically? Yeah. And just thinking, you know, best, you know what I mean? Yeah. how How life can humble you. But when you're young, you just think, you know, everything. And 
I think a lot of my regrets are tied up with that, with just like not coming to humility sooner. Yes. Um, Mm. You know, I definitely feel more compassionate as I age because of that as well. Yes. What about you, Laura? It's interesting when you uh, spoke to me about this, what the theme would be regrets and reflections. I started to think about what has happened in my life and the roads that I could have gone down on were it not to be for some other things. Um, But then I think about what that actually led me to be doing. So at a time maybe where I felt really disappointed um, or regretful about something, I can look back and see how that shifted me into another, onto another road, um, which might be for the best. I don't know. I actually don't know yet. I, 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 I don't you have... You need to see it from very far away, like much further in the future to decide if it was the right path? Maybe. I think right now, looking back, I'm really happy of those shifts. Specifically, um, what, oh, years ago, not years ago, I would say when I was um, on my last year at university, I went to theater school. I thought that I would be a serious, a serious actor. And I, so I thought, where am I going to go that would make me a serious, the best serious actor? And I was going to, I auditioned for Juilliard. Wow. In um, 2016. And... Um, First year I went was in San Francisco, and I did well. I went through a round of callbacks, and I was feeling good, and I went home, and we had yet to hear about the final round, um, but I was feeling really confident and, and good, you know. If they wanted me for the first round, why wouldn't they want me again for the second round? Blah, 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 blah. And then I got the email, obviously, that I didn't make it, and... um my world was shattered because I didn't have another plan. So then I did nothing for a year and auditioned again, bombed the audition, didn't even make it through the first round. But that was in the second time audition was in Chicago. And the next night or so, I went to see my first show at Second City just well, as a tourist. You hadn't even thing. done comedy yet. No, wow. I hadn't done comedy. Just as a tourist. Wow. And so I went oh. to see Second City. It was almost like a magical shift. That happened right then and there uh, because I saw and I thought, I didn't even know this was a possible. I didn't know it was a thing. And that was exactly what I Okay, loved. but can I ask this? So Did cool. you really not think it was a possible avenue? Because isn't your dad, I know this about you, isn't your dad like a well-respected Italian clown? <laughs> yeah, really? yeah, he is. Yes, yes. That's so cool. Um, I, I always loved... Com- I, I veered towards comedic plays and I loved improvisation, but I didn't know exactly this sketch form, this North right. American sketch form, mm-hmm. like Second City. Uh, I'd barely seen SNL, really. And so when I saw that, I thought, oh my gosh, wow! <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and you did that voice. And and <laughs> exactly, that's what I said in the audience. And no, then everything shifted and I found a new a new road. And then that led me to newer roads and cool roads and it's just the beginning. I, I, it feels good. So and you moved so to Toronto special. when? How so long ago? Special. Two years ago. From where? Victoria, BC. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. All right. There we go. Sasha, any regrets? Oh, Sasha's old, so he might have some regrets. He's 15. He recently turned. Oh, my God. So what do you, you regret anything? He regrets uh, barking at you guys when you first came <laughs> oh, in. Oh, good. Sorry okay. about that. Thanks, Sasha. 
Yeah, I'd say most of my regrets are about what I've put other people through, Mm -hmm. for sure, for sure. They're not, I don't really look back and have career regrets, partly because, like, I'm four years out of school and... You're doing great. Things have... You should have no career regrets. I feel very lucky. So even things where I'm like, I could have done that better, um, it sucks that the timing of that was during this, I'm still like, well, a lot of timing has, has worked in my favor for me to be able to do what I've done as well. Um, but yeah, if I have regrets, I'd say they're more to do with how I, um, with, with how I've affected others and how I've treated others, you know, and, um, my expectations of others and, you know, when you're younger and you can't experience something with a container around it and you kind of like infect or impact others with what you're feeling, I think like to get older and then to both feel suddenly past like I don't know what, how like maturation has happened for you guys, but for me, I feel like there were certain days on certain years of my life where it's like snapping my fingers and my whole perspective feels different. But then along with that is a lot of, yeah, embarrassment and regret about just less mature versions of you. See, if I wanted to make this like an excellent podcast episode, mm-hmm. I would end it right here and then come back 20 <laughs> years from now oh, and Richard we'd all Linklater. sit yeah, yeah we'd sit here and then you you would tell me oh my god Lindsay I was so wrong I have so many regrets <laughs> oh my god oh, that would be cool. I might in 20 years all right this is the the lightning round portion I'm gonna try and make this fast and specific it'll be fun um I'm gonna point at you I want each of you to come up with in your head three different mini regrets you've had in your life. They don't have to be big emotional things. Okay? So, Laura. Um, Waxing my body when I was 16. Oh, because did the hair not grow back? No, it absolutely did, and so I had to keep doing it until now, and I can't stop. It's expensive and it hurts. Okay, fair enough. That's great. All right, Ellie. Um, I had the kind of hair extensions that you, like, sew into your hair when I was 12 because I got a bad haircut, um, I mean, I don't think I that's, need to elaborate. That's, that. No, I get that. I was 12. I don't, I, I get didn't that. need that. I was beautiful. Yeah. What was wrong with me? I wish I hadn't, uh, listened to teachers as if they were always authority figures. Mm. When I was young, mm. you know, you're always asking, putting up your hand to go to the washroom. I now feel like, why the fuck did I ever ask any of you people whether I could go to the washroom? Mm. Like, I get it. I was a child and you're a teacher, but like, I wish I hadn't bought into authority figures as much. I would have cut class a little more. I would have been a little more sassy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Laura, you got another one? I got another one. I regret going to a Chinese restaurant with my dad when I was 13 and finding one of my mom's bras and stuffing it and going to that restaurant. You stuffed your bra? I stuffed my bra. That's very weird. At this weird. Chinese restaurant. <laughs> uh, it was just me and my dad. And he asked me why I was wearing a bra. And I went, uh... Oh, my God! <laughs> oh, my God! That one's great. That's great. Uh, okay, you said they didn't have to be big emotional. This is big emotional. Ooh, I love it. Um, because I think about this more than I should. I should, I should write this wrong. Where I was in grade nine, and I... I'm sure I met the definition of plagiarizing um, for something that I wrote for an English class. I don't think it was like, <laughs> here I am like defending this in grade nine. I don't think it was like a huge assignment, but it was big enough that it 
counted and the teacher noticed and she confronted me on it and I didn't own up to it. Mm-hmm. And plagiarized? I plagiarized. I plagiarized. Like what she was saying in terms of like, did you get that line from there? Um, was mm-hmm. absolutely true. I think I could have just added a citation. Like, I don't think it was that. But I, but I just like um, refused to take responsibility, and uh, <gasps> and I really Juicy. liked her, and she definitely knew. She definitely knew, and it's so sad to me when I think about it still. But That's I one. use it to remind myself to <laughs> to do better. Do better. I'm still thinking about that. How many years later is that now? Like. 13 years later, I still think about that. Okay, that's good. That's a good one. 12. I could could think of her. When I was like 9 or 10, I was playing a ringette game. I think this is like the only time I've ever physically assaulted anyone. Okay, so I was 9 or 10. Ringette is like hockey. You're in like full hockey pads. I'm holding a stick with a metal end. The only difference is a ringette stick doesn't have the the hook part at the end that a hockey stick does. It's just a, a stick and the tip is metal. And we were losing the game, and I'm waiting for the ref to blow the whistle, and I'm covering this girl because she's a defender or whatever, and I'm a forward or something. Anyways, I'm in front of her, and I feel these hot tears in my eyes, and I just feel mad that we're losing, and it's so unfair. And emotionally, I watch myself do something, like out of body. I knew that her padding was not on her stomach. And I stabbed her <gasps> in the guts <laughs> with a stick in front of everyone's parents, in front of all the teams, in front of the ref who was standing right there. Whoa. And she was winded and instantly dropped to the ground and went, oh, and it was in pain. And I went from immediate, doing that like rage, the id inside me did that. And then immediately the me inside me felt horrible and like a total psycho I must have looked like but it was honest in my head I went are you okay and she looked at me like what the fuck like the abuser just tried to help me and the ref looked at me like get in the penalty box what the hell's wrong with you and the whole car ride home my dad he looked so disappointed in me it's the only time I have ever... It's it's the reason I understand why some people do something and then afterwards go, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I regret that. It's the only physical move I ever did on someone Ooh. and I was like nine. Wow. And it was all wow. emotion. Wow. Okay. Okay, well, tough act to follow, but I will say that about a month ago, um, I ate a whole can of chili <laughs> and that's about it. You, you ate a whole can of chili? Yeah. Wait, that doesn't seem like how big was the can? I'm telling you, the can was small, to be but, for the, but the after effects were big. Oh my god! <laughs> Party butt. Oh I my see. god. I you know see. what I mean? Yeah. I okay. Laura, that is like violence. That <laughs> is like violence. That is violence. <laughs> oh my god. I assaulted my own asshole. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Is there anything you. you'd like to promote, tell us about, so we can find out more about you and your work? Uh, yeah, sure. Laura here. Um, you can just follow me on Instagram, Diane underscore Toronto, because next year, um, the hope is that she's going on tour. Yeah, your one-woman show. It's very good. That's oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and Ellie here, and you can follow me on Instagram at Ellie Mooner. Yeah. And I don't know, in terms of things to promote, just go there. There'll be things. I already yeah, told you about the tarragon thing. She'll tell us. Yeah. All right. 
Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sasha. Sasha's trying to promote long, <laughs> you, healthy life and beautiful, furry, luscious hair. Uh, <laughs> bye-bye. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Truth Be Told, Episode 20, Regrets and Reflections. Thank you for joining me on this deep tour into my neuroses and um, deeply narcissistic thought patterns. Yeah, lots of regrets. Uh, Lots of interesting regrets from the people around me, too. Everyone has regrets. It's how we move forward afterward that counts. Yeah. You know, one thing you won't regret is if you subscribe to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you know, why not subscribe? I don't think you'll have regrets about that. You know, like, it's like subscribing to this podcast is a lot like... um, going to the gym. You know, you you do regret not going to the gym, but I've never met someone who regretted going to the gym. You know? You'll leave an hour later, maybe a bit sweaty, feel kind of good, have room for some cake and not feel guilty, but you always regret not going. That's what it's like with subscribing to this podcast. Yeah. Guys, I'm going to be coming out with lots of new episodes. I've done so many great interviews that I can't wait to share with you. So every two weeks on a Monday, that's when this thing's coming out. Stay tuned. All right, I'm going to thank some people for making this podcast possible. Thank you to my guests, Sean Cullen, Richard Kelly Kemick, Ellie Moon, and Laura Ramoso. You guys were wonderful. Thank you for sharing. I want to thank Trevor Pullman, who is my partner in crime in the editing room. Thank you to Catherine Fogler, who did the photography for the podcast. Thank you to Kurt Furla, who did the graphic design on the podcast photography. Thank you so much. Thank you to Matthew Reed, who made the music for this podcast. And the boys at the Sonar Network, Michael Mangiardi and Cody Crane. Thank you guys so much. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can. My handle is at Mullo. That's L-I-N-D-S-O-M-U-L-L-O. I also have a website, www.lindsaymullen.com. Yeah. All right, guys. Don't hold on to your regrets too tight. Every day is a new day. You know, don't focus on tomorrow. No, wait, don't focus on yesterday. Focus on, you know, I'm not good at the whole affirmation thing. Just, just roll with your shit. Everything's going to be fine. All right. Till next time. Bye-bye.
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.